Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Jeremiah chapter 12, I'm excited about this series. Go to Jeremiah chapter 12, get your Bibles out. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens. Get your notebooks out, your highlighters, get a pen, a pencil, get a crayon, a colored pencil, a notebook, an iPad, your eyelids, whatever you can. I believe this passage is powerful, it's going to help us. Actually, the passage we're going to read today, it's going to be the base scripture for the rest of this series for the next about five weeks. And I promise you, this has been one of my favorite passages for the last seven years. It's encouraged me. Um, I'll never forget, I heard it first by Pastor Levi Lusco, a message in 2014 that encouraged me. And then Pastor John Jenkins preached a message that encouraged me. And a lot of what I'm sharing, I've heard from there, from them. But it's something that I've carried in my heart to this day. And so I pray that you would really literally let this sit in your spirit. And I know it's going to bless you the way it's blessed me. Jeremiah chapter 12. We're only going to read a few verses. And he's going to be the first hero of the faith that we talk about. Jeremiah chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, can you shout amen? Amen. Beginning in verse 1, the word of the Lord says this. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, you know me. You see me and you test my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it and the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. As you can tell, Jeremiah is angry. Jeremiah is frustrated and he's complaining to God. And we're going to read one more verse. This is the beginning of God's answer to Jeremiah. Verse 5. If you've raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? Out of Jeremiah chapter 12, today we're going to begin this brand new series across every service, across every person that's connected. And I believe God's going to speak to us through this series as we look at some of these heroes of the faith and the challenges, the obstacles that they faced. Today, as we begin week one out of Jeremiah chapter 12, I want to talk to you from this subject or this heading. I've titled this message, Training Day. Training Day. Why don't you high five three, four people around you and tell them it's Training Day. It's training day. We're going to pray and we're going to lean into Jeremiah chapter 12 for the next several minutes. And then I think worship was absolutely phenomenal today. So I think we should sing one more time. But we won't take long. want to honor your time here today. And thank you for being here. But I believe if we open up our heart, lean in today to God's word. I need him just as much as you. God's going to show up and he's faithful that if we seek him, we will find him. Amen. Come on, let's pray. We'll talk about this for a little bit. Then worship God. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. 
God, we thank you for this family. We thank you for this church, for this community. Thank you for your word. Thank you as we start this brand new collection of conversations and preachings, teachings around your word, looking at some of the people that you use. You would help us, reveal to us, encourage us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit already starts moving in this room, in additional seating, online. God, that you would do something in our spirit for the rest of this year that would carry us as we prepare for all that you have for us. God, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, all of Calvary Church says. Amen. Come on, all of Calvary Church says. Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. Jeremiah chapter 12, in the text that we just read, we are seeing this character study, the prophet Jeremiah, who is absolutely frustrated, angry, disappointed in God because life is not going how he thinks it should be going. And so he begins to get frustrated in his soul, in his will, in his emotions. He's angry at God. He's complaining to God because I thought life would look much different than it is right now. And because life is not going how we want, he begins to complain. He begins to talk and we begin to wonder, what is God doing? Have you ever been there? Have you ever asked God, what are you doing? God, where are you? I know this is the 11 a.m., you're holy, you're sanctified, you came in your Sunday best, but the 1 p.m., they've questioned God a lot of times. But have you ever asked God, God, what are you up to? Where are you in my life? The incredible author, science fiction writer who lived many years ago, H.G. Wells, he lived through the Blitz in London when they were bombing the city. And one afternoon, as the sun was setting, in the early evening, one writer was sitting next to him as he was shaking. And the writer, another writer, asked him, why are you trembling? Everything is going to be okay. We have survived. And H.G. Wells said, it is not the bombs that scare me. It is the darkness that scares me. And as I heard that, I think many of us can relate because it's not the attacks in life that scare us as much as the apparent silence of God that scares us. We all know that life will be difficult. We all know that life will come with challenges. But what makes us tremble, what really makes us go off, is that it seems like God is not on our schedule, on our calendar, is not coming through. God, do you see what I'm going through? Have you ever been there? And so we get disappointed with God, and we begin then to disagree with God. God, what are you doing? begin to disagree with God. I've disagreed many times. God, I don't think this is how this situation should work out. God, if you were to ask for my opinion and my expertise, I think I'm a pretty smart individual. I think I have a better answer as how we can bring a solution to what I'm facing. Have you ever been there? I think in our arrogance, we think that we know more than God. God, 
I know you're busy, and I know there's Russia and China and North Korea, and I know your email's full and your texts are backed up, but if you were to ask me for my opinion, God, which you haven't, but if you were to ask me for my opinion, uh, I graduated Miami Southridge, God. I got, my, I got my high school diploma, and if you were to ask me for my opinion, I think I can give you some good advice, God, as to ha- how to handle this circumstance. God, if it was up to me, the marriage would have gone this way. If it was up to me, the family situation would have worked out this way. God, if it was up to me, you should have given me that job. God, if it was up to me, you should have saved me from that. How many of you are glad that God didn't listen to your prayers sometimes? Oh, come on. Anybody glad that God got his own plan and his own schedule and his own wisdom and his own power? But in our audacity and in our arrogance, we think we know more than God. God, can you go back to your emails in a minute and call me for a second? I know how to figure this problem out. And so we begin to grumble and complain. If God would only call me and if God will only ask me and why did God not ask me about this and God hasn't called my number in a long time and I don't know why God hasn't worked this situation out. He gave me a hard-headed husband. He gave me a hard-headed wife. And if he only gave me a new wife, and we begin to grumble and complain. This is not, not this service. I'm talking, this is all for other services, not this service. <laughs> and we begin to grumble and complain. I've done it in my own life where I'm like, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? I shouldn't be facing this problem. I shouldn't be in this struggle. God, why are you allowing me to go through this? I got a better plan. And here's what I've noticed, that when I begin to grumble and complain, it just stunts my growth. In fact, I put it this way, our grumbling cripples our growth. Because I begin to fixate on all I don't know about God, that then I never move forward in what I do know about God. Are you with me, church? I begin to obsess on what I can't control, that I absolutely don't move in the blessing of all that God has given me that he does control. I got a problem that it's not in my hand, it's not on my schedule, it's not on my timetable, and so I begin to get angry, I begin to grumble, I begin to complain, and I never move in the peace and the blessing that God has promised because all I'm worried about is God not moving on my timetable. God, why haven't you done this? God, why haven't you come through? God, why didn't you save my kid? And God, why didn't you do this? And God, why didn't you that? And the whole time God is saying, I got a wide open future for you. If you just trust what you don't know with me, I've got you. I've never failed you. I'll never fail you. I'm always going to be there. I'm a good God and I'm always going to look out for you. Come on, somebody. We don't move in what we know because we're obsessed with what we don't know. And what I've come to find out is that my complaining actually reveals my confidence. I say I trust in God. I say I have faith in God. Oh, I show up on Sunday mornings and I sing loud. I love to sing. I can't even hold a note, but I'll sing louder than anybody else. God has heard me in the shower. I can sing pretty good. But my song doesn't match my confidence. Because all I do is complain, and my complaining is revealing how much I trust God. And really what I'm saying with my complaining and my grumbling and my anger toward God and my impatience toward God, really what I'm saying is that I don't move by faith, but I move by sight. 
Oh, come on, we're supposed to move by faith. I came to talk to somebody today. Are you with me? We say we move by faith. We say we're believers. Oh, I walk by faith. Early in the morning, I will raise up and I'll trust and trust the Lord. I'll give him the glory. And as soon as something doesn't work out our way, we turn our back on God. We complain, we curse, we murmur, we grumble. Instead of trusting God and saying, God, I don't understand. But all I know is that you're good. All I know is that you're able. All I know is that you've caught me. All I know is that you're with me. All I know is that you'll never forsake me you'll never leave me I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread I'm gonna trust what I don't know in the God that I do know oh he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask think or imagine and so today we have to learn how to trust God even when things don't go our way ask your neighbor do you trust him now slap him one time and tell him do you trust him I put it this way today, we will only thrive to the level of our trust. We will only thrive, you will only continue to run in the blessings that God has for you to the level that you trust God in the midst of heartache, persecution, and pain. If you can trust him, if I can trust him, if we can really surrender to his plan, then we'll thrive in the peace and blessings that he has for us. We're looking at somebody today, Jeremiah, who is absolutely frustrated. He's mad at God. Perhaps you've heard of the prophet Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is an absolutely famous prophet. Even non-believers have possibly heard of Jeremiah, and God used him in an incredible way, but he was not popular. He was not one that everybody liked. In fact, if you would hear Jeremiah, you would see the people around him at that day, they were unsubscribing to his podcast. They were unfollowing him on Instagram. They would actually kick him out of Twitter and censor him. And he would be canceled in our society today because of some of the things that he was saying. He, he was a hard prophet and God gave him a hard job not to preach just peace and blessings and prosperity. But he was actually calling judgment and telling people that God was bringing punishment if we didn't return to God. That's not a popular message. The Bible says in the end time, we want to hear things that tickle our ears. Tell me how much God loves me because I'm so cute and he's desperately in love with me. He is, but if you don't change, the Bible says there's consequences to sin. But nobody wants to hear that. Tell me how God loves me in my rebellion. Tell me how God loves me in whatever I want to do. And so Jeremiah is definitely not popular. But God had a plan for Jeremiah's life. In Jeremiah chapter 1, even many of you know how it starts. Jeremiah chapter 1, he goes, For I knew you in your mother's womb. I called you and I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. We put that on coffee cups. We put that on refrigerators. We put that in cubicles. We love it. And God called me. He knew me since my mother's womb. What we don't know is what the calling brings. And it's easy to call you and it's easy to celebrate the calling when you think all that's coming is joy, peace, and rainbows, and skittles, and butterflies. Oh, use me. Come on, if you grew up in Spanish church, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't pray for us, we're still facing trauma. But <laughs> Lord, send me. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. Until the persecution comes, until the ridicule comes, when people start to hate on you because you decided to work on your marriage instead of divorce. 
when people start to get angry because you're the one that no longer decides to continue cheating on your spouse, when you decide to stop cheating and stop stealing, when you decide to start having integrity and follow Jesus, when you decide to block certain, certain people won't celebrate that. Our culture won't really celebrate. We're living in a time where they call good evil and evil good. So you won't always be celebrated. Can you still serve Jesus even when it gets hard? Even when people criticize? Even when they want to cancel you? You know who called you and you know who's with you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. And so Jeremiah is called, the Bible says, before you were in your mother's womb, I formed you. That shows that God is into human beings before they are even a cell divided. Before you even got your DNA, he had you on his mind. God cares about every single child from the womb to the tomb. God cares and he loves. That's why abortion is such an evil act before the eyes of God. Because God loves every single child before you were in the womb. I called you. It's holy and sacred and beautiful. And so before you were here, he knew who you were. What a beautiful truth. And Jeremiah obviously begins to serve the Lord and love the Lord. And he goes on. But Jeremiah, his, his task, his assignment is heavy because he's called to preach judgment. Return to the Lord. Repent Because Babylon is coming and bringing destruction if you don't. Jeremiah is where we see one of the main themes of scripture where it's the city of God versus the city of men. And these two cities represent relationship with God. The city of Jerusalem represented what your life can look like if you have a thriving relationship with God and you live following in obedience to him. Babylon represented the city of men that are in rebellion to God. And so this goes all throughout scripture. You want to choose a city. Where do you want to live? I want to live with King Jesus. And so Jeremiah is saying, repent because Babylon is coming. Now you have to understand, all throughout the book of Jeremiah, we're going to see these other characters that were preaching peace, prosperity. Don't you worry. Babylon's not coming. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, child. (laughs) Peace is coming. Prosperity's coming. Oh, he loves you just as you are. You can continue living however you want to live. He loves you. He's in love with you. He thinks you're cute as a button. (laughs) Who says that? I don't know. But you're cute as a button. And I think our culture, our society is full of preachers and politicians like that today. That they're preaching prosperity and peace. And you can come to God just as you are. and You can stay just as you are. I'm here to tell you, God loves you how you are, but he doesn't want you to stay how you are. He calls us to sanctification and to a process of filtration where he wants to make us holy like him. Yes, he loves us. I'm glad he found me in my sin. I'm glad he came and he loved me when I couldn't do it, but he called me to be better. He called me to change. He called me to repentance. Today, he loves you just as you are, but he's calling you for higher things. He's calling you for better things. Can I get an amen? Amen. But false prophets, false teachers in those days and in our days are preaching non-truths. And so Jeremiah has a heavy, heavy assignment. And obviously people don't like him. He's criticized. He's canceled. Nobody likes Jeremiah. You get to chapter 11 and there's a plan to kill Jeremiah. They actually want to take him out. He finds out and obviously he can't believe. I mean, I wouldn't want to continue in that job. And so we get to chapter 12, and it's him saying, God, time out, time out, time out. God, what is going on? I thought you called me to serve you, and here they are planning to take me out. They hated him. 
Let's read it one more time. Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Righteous are you, Lord. I love how he tries to butter up God before his complaint. <laughs> you ever done that? Oh, Lord God, I love you. Oh, you're so amazing. Father, Papi, Sky Daddy. <laughs> That's the weird one. Okay. <laughs> you're righteous when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case to you. In the Hebrew, it's literally, I'm bringing a legal problem before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? Jeremiah is saying all the false prophets, the false preachers, these wicked politicians, they're prospering. God, it looks like they have peace in their lives. It looks like they have money. It looks like they have success. Jeremiah had none of that. You ever felt that way? God, why are you blessing others? And here I am serving you. God, God why'd you give her a husband? She's she been around. <laughs> I've been keeping myself to you and you still haven't brought my, sh my sugar foot. Come on. Hey, any, are you with me? Come on. You want to act sanctified and holy, but some of us have complaints. God, you haven't given me a brand new car. I'm here in a hoopty. Yet my wicked neighbor has a brand new BMW. I came sweating to church. They don't even believe in you. They are wicked and you gave them prosperity because God does not judge or work the way we work. Yeah. And so God's not going to give you what you want, when you want it, how you want it. We have to trust that he is God and he's ultimately in control of everything. How, how come they got the salary increase, God? God, I don't understand. I got the wicked children and you gave them angels. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? All these complaints. And Jeremiah's like, you're blessing them, but you've forgotten about me. Oh, it looks like they're blessed. It looks like they're good. And here I am going through all this trouble. And he's bringing his objection, his challenges, his complaints to God. Some of us are there this morning. God, you haven't blessed me. God, you've forgotten about me. God, my neighbor's blessed. My brother's blessed. My sister's blessed. I got all these people. And here it looks like you are silent in my situation. You've worked out other people's marriages. You've given other people these incredible jobs. Here you are moving in other people's behalf. Yet, God, what are you doing? It's not that I'm going through challenges. It's that you don't seem to speak to my challenges. Jeremiah is frustrated. And in our Christian journey, in our walk with God, what I love is that God does not get angry at us for asking questions. But he will answer perhaps in a way we don't like we get to chapter 5 and this is God's answer to Jeremiah one more time let's read it Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5 this is God answering now Jeremiah Jeremiah if you have raced with men on foot and they wearied you how will you compete with horses and if in a safe land you are so trusting what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? He's answering Jeremiah's question with a question. This is a Jewish way of having a conversation. This is God's way many times of confronting us and challenging us. Jeremiah is pulling out his binoculars saying, God, where are you? I don't trust your justice. And God pulls out a mirror and shows Jeremiah his reflection and says, I don't know about your strength. 
And so while we question God's justice, God is asking us, are we strong enough to withhold the blessing that is coming? Because I got much more for you if you were just to trust me. I want to bless you if you know that I'm able to do more than you can handle. I, I, if you can trust me, I'll bless you with more than you can ever imagine. But are you strong enough? Because right now I'm showing you a revelation of your weakness. And so he pulls out the mirror on, on us this morning and he's saying, are you strong enough? Because you're complaining about foot soldiers. You're complaining about running with men when horses are coming. And I've called you to run with horses. Tell your neighbor, giddy up. <laughs> it's time to run with horses. I'm here to tell you this morning, God sees more in you than you see in yourself. Can I speak for a moment? Number one, let's talk about potential because I think in Jeremiah chapter 12, what's happening is that Jeremiah seems to be tired, aggravated, frustrated. He can't keep going with all the attacks on his life. And God is like, are you serious? I see more in you than you see in yourself. I got a potential for you. I created you with more in mind. I don't know how you think of yourself. I don't know how you view yourself. If you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and your self-esteem is low and you don't think that God can use you, that God can anoint you, I'm here to tell you we have a God with a different plan. He wants to anoint you. He wants to use you. He wants to give you an assignment over your life. You can do more than you could ever imagine with God by your side. You got potential on the inside. You got potential on the inside. The Bible says you were created with a plan and a purpose. You're not a mistake. You're not here because so-and-so had a one-night stand and here I am, the child of that. You're not here because so-and-so decided to maybe perhaps try to have a baby and then forgot about you. God will never forget you. God will never abandon you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You want to be a hero in the faith? Nobody said it would be easy. You want to make a difference in our culture, and our society that is growing darker every day? It's going to take men and women of God who say, I'm ready to run with horses because he has much more in store for me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, you need to get that in your spirit. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The problem is we get sidetracked with distractions. The words that Jeremiah is complaining and uttering to God is the same that Asaph did in Psalm 73 when he said, why do the wicked prosper? And Asaph, he follows that line with another line that says, my foot almost slipped because my eyes were on them. A lot of us, we will never reach our full potential because our eyes are not on the author and the finisher of our faith, but we start looking to the right and to the left at all that God is doing with other people that we don't concentrate on what God wants to do in our own life. And if for a moment you were just to look at him, you perhaps would be able to reach the full potential of your life. Forget about so-and-so. Forget about what God is doing in their life. Look at you and look at all that God wants to do in your life. He has a plan and a purpose. Oh, for I know you have plans for me plans to prosper me and not to hurt me to give me a hope and a future I'm gonna run no matter what happens I will endure and I'll run with the horses oh I'm here to say there's much more for you for your family for your marriage 
Stop looking to the left and to the right how God is doing what with anybody and focus on what God has for you. Hugh Black says this, only a heroic soul could do the heroic work needed by Israel and by God. And it was the greatest heroism of which was needed, the heroism of endurance. I love this next line. Nothing worth doing can be done in this world without something of that iron resolution. It is the spirit which never knows defeat, which cannot be worn out, which has taken his stand and refuses to move. You want to be used by God? You want God to do something in your family, in your culture, in your office, in your society? You got to have some endurance on the inside and say, come hell or high water, I am going to stand and serve the Lord. It doesn't matter who stands with me. It doesn't matter who leaves me. It doesn't matter the backstabbings. It doesn't matter the betrayal. It doesn't matter if nobody else stands. I'm going to stand on God's word. I've got to keep on going even if it doesn't work out, even if it doesn't go according to plan. I trust in a God that is able to do more than I could ever imagine. My hope is in him. I will not be moved. I will continue to preach. I'll continue to serve. I'll continue to look to the only author and finisher. Come on, somebody, give him a praise. Tell your neighbor, you got to run. He sees much more in Jeremiah than Jeremiah sees in himself. Jeremiah's like, God, I'm struggling. You've left me. God's like, I got much more for you. And if you're complaining about foot soldiers, how are you going to run with horses? Second thing that I believe God is doing with Jeremiah that he does with us, let's talk about preparation. He's preparing Jeremiah for all that's to come. Many times God has blessings for your life and my life, but before you can handle them, he needs to prepare you before you can grasp them, before you can hold the blessings that God has for you. He needs to take you through a season of preparation. God, what he wants to do is develop your muscles. He wants to get you stronger for where he's taking you. And all we do is object the season of preparation. We complain about the season of preparation. It's not good, it's not pretty, but he's a good God and a good father and he knows what he's doing. Can you stand to be prepared by God for all that he has for you? Seven months ago, we, well, not, not me, Diana gave birth to our daughter. I was assisting there with a lot of encouragement. And she's absolutely beautiful now. Aria, seven months, seven months last week. She's absolutely gorgeous. This past week. This past week, she started to wave high already. And she walks in the room and she'll wave high. And she's gorgeous like her father. And it's awesome. <laughs> but I remember about a year and change ago when I found out, okay, we're having a baby, much more girl. I'm like, I got to get prepared for what's coming. And uh, I started to buy some weights, a bench press. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting older. And, you know, these babies get heavy really quick. And. And I started to go, I'm like, I'm not in full like dad mode. I got to be a strong dad, a fit dad. I want to carry her. I want to be able to play with her. And this is the first of 10 children, so I got to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I would be working out. We working out. Then I would wake up early in the morning. I'd be downstairs working out in the garage. I'd be trying to develop muscles. I'm like, I'm having a daughter. I'm having a daughter. I'm prepared. I got I to gotta make sure I be the men who want to date her in the future when she's 50. God, that they would encounter a strong dad. And so I started working out, and I started to make sure I'm able to be prepared for what was coming. Right? How many of us choose to quit on the preparation that God has for us? And God's like, you're complaining about this now? Then how will you ever run with horses? Oh, some of us are complaining about small things. Then how can God ever bless you with great things? You're complaining because your boss got angry that you couldn't get there at 9 a.m.? Then you'll never be able to be a CEO. You get angry because so-and-so, your mom or your dad says, clean up your room. You'll never be able to be married and have control of your own life and budget your own finances. You can't complain about the small things if you want God to use you in the big things. God says, stop complaining about this. This is just preparation field. I'm building muscle in your life. I'm developing you. I'm trying to stretch you because I got big things for your family. I got mighty things for your family. You need to be stretched by God and say, God, do what you need to do in me so that I can Hold the blessing. You're complaining about foot soldiers? Oh, how will you ever run with horses? Warren Wearsby says this, each new challenge ultimately helped Jeremiah develop his faith and grow his ministry skills. The easy life is ultimately the hard life. Oof. Because the easy life stifles immaturity, but the difficult life challenges us to develop our spiritual muscles. And accomplish more for the Lord. And then he quotes Philip Brooks. And he said, the purpose of life is the building of character through truth. And you don't build character by being a spectator. You have to run with endurance the race God sets before you. And you do it on God's terms. Many times what God is doing when he leaves us in a situation is that he's trying to work on our character. And here we are obsessing about a circumstance and God is obsessing about character. God, but if you would work out my circumstance and God is saying, I'm working on your character. I know God, but if you would deliver me from this circumstance and God says, I'm making you a better person. I'm making you a stronger character. I'm making you more mature. I'm making you wiser. I'm making you stronger. If you would just, and many times God won't take us out of, out of a specific location in life because he's using the filtering system of heaven. To bring out all the immaturities. Everything that's wrong in us. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. James writes, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. If you weren't spiritual, you'll read that and like, is he drunk? I'm not going to count it joy when I'm going through trials. But he says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing come on tell your neighbor it's time to run he deals with Jeremiah's potential and then he talks about his preparation and then if you're like me you read this right and you're like he's calling Jeremiah to run with horses I don't know about you but have you ever stood next to a horse they are massive some of them scary I jumped off of one in Columbia of how scared I was Legit, so it was a massive monster. It was possessed by a demon. It did not stay still. And so I jumped off of it. I'll never forget, I went to Louisiana State Penitentiary years ago. I went to preach, not a prison sentence, but I was there. They invited us to minister, and so I was there, and 
this is, it used to be the bloodiest prison in America, and they call it the farm. It's massive, it's huge. I don't know how many inmates on death row, we got to walk by death row and talk to them. It was a beautiful experience, but they also call it the farm. And uh, they really do have a bunch of farm animals, and they brought Persian horses that the inmates need to take care of. And I'll never forget, they brought out some of the Persian horses, and we got to walk with them and walk on the fields, and definitely I wasn't getting on one of those. But, I mean, this thing was towering. How could I ever run faster than a horse? It's impossible. Logically, naturally, impossible. But when God calls us, he doesn't call us to do the natural. He calls us to do the supernatural. And you and I can never do the supernatural on our own. There's no way I can ever run faster than a horse unless I have the power of God within me. He deals with the potential, the preparation, number three, the power. We'll finish with this. Jeremiah, I've called you to run with horses. Jeremiah, if you're struggling with these foot soldiers, you'll never be able to run with the horses that are coming. By the way, if there's foot soldiers in your life, if there's trials and testing, I think it's also a reason to celebrate because God has called you to bigger things. And the enemy's never going to challenge somebody who's running in his direction. And he said, I've got power for you that you don't have. And when he gives you that power, you are going to be able to do more than you can in your own strength. My daughter now, I know, I talk about her all the time. I'm obsessed. We bought this little like station for her where she has all these little lights and sounds. And there's this little small toy at the bottom that lights up. And for a while, she was struggling trying to light it up, but it wouldn't light up unless there was a battery in it. If the battery is not in it, it will never be able to function to its full ability. Some of us are struggling because we're trying to do everything for God in our own ability. And God's like, you're missing the key ingredient. It's the battery of the Holy Spirit that needs to be on the inside of you. And once you get the Spirit of God living on the outside, oh, come on, you'll be able to run with horses. You'll be able to run with horses. 2023, 2024, tell somebody, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running with horses. God has called me to something bigger. God has called me to leap over walls and to run through troops. But I got the power on the inside. Come on, it's time to run. You, you need to have the Spirit of God on the inside of you and able to run after all that God has for you. You and I can never do it on our own ability and our own strength. I shouldn't be up here. I shouldn't be up here preaching. I shouldn't be up here sharing. I, I was the type of person that I could not speak in public for nothing. In high school, I would skip class if I had to do a class presentation. Don't tell my mom and dad. They're coming next service. I wouldn't go to class. I'll skip school. I'm not speaking in front of nobody. My youth pastor for years told me, open up a connect group. And I'm like, I ain't opened up nothing. I'm not talking about, I like me and my friends. I say, quiet, serving the Lord in our own little corner. But when God calls you to run with horses, it's not based on your ability. It's not based on your strength. It's not based on your qualities. It is based on him and his strength. 
And so some of us are doubting today and we're saying, God can never use me. I can never make a difference in my office. I can never make a difference with my business because I, I don't have the strength. But here's the thing. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And availability is the best ability that you can give God. Because if you make yourself available, he'll fill you with his spirit. And all of a sudden you'll begin to run where nobody else can run because you got the spirit of God living on the inside. I'll never forget, they told me, hey, why don't you come up here and share around the offering one Sunday. And I came up here and all my knees were trembling and my hands were trembling. And I'm like, today the Lord is good and he gave and so gave today. And I left. Today, me and Diana, this October, are seven years leading this church. Not because we're good, but because he's good. Oh, come on, he's calling you to run with horses. He's calling you to run into all that he has for you. When the Spirit of God comes on the inside, oh, you'll be able to leap, you'll be able to run, you'll be able to give him all the glory and all the praise. Come on, somebody, give God a praise. I want you to stand up to your feet all across this place. I want you to stand up all across this place. Today, he's calling you to run with horses. Is it going to be challenging? Yes, sir. Is it going to be difficult? Yes, ma'am. But greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Come on, with every eye closed, with every hand raised all over this place, why don't we raise our hands? Today, you, you maybe need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. You're saying, I don't have the power, I have the strength. It's not based on your ability. It's based on your availability. Maybe you found yourself doubting, complaining. God says, can you trust me? If you're complaining about foot soldiers, how would you run with horses? With every eye closed, every hand raised here in additional seating, online, I'm here to tell you God has more for you. God can do more through you than you can ever imagine. You won't imagine how you use your business. You don't imagine how you use your marriage. You maybe can't imagine how you use your family. You can't imagine how you use your part-time job to make a difference. But it's not in your hands, it's in his hands. And if you get full of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible for him who believe. Come on, why don't we lift up our hands all across this place. Hallelujah, we thank you, God. Come on, why don't we sing it out? You are more than able. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here today, we're about to leave. If you don't know God and you say, Alex, I feel far from God, I feel distant from God. I love for God to use me in my own lane, my own sphere, whatever it is that you do in life, but you're saying I can't because I got all these issues in life and you think God doesn't love you, God's forgotten about you, God wants nothing to do with you. I'm here to tell you God loves you more than you could imagine. Yes, he loves you just as you are. But he's also here to begin to change you and take you further than you could ever imagine. It's not going to be based on your own strength. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. There's not one perfect person in this place. We've all failed. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. Every single one of us, we sinned. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God because God is holy and powerful and mighty. And so yes, he's love, but he can't be with sin. He must judge sin. And so that means we're in trouble, but he came up with a plan called Jesus. The Bible says Jesus came down to earth and he was perfect in every way. 
and he paid the penalty for sin. The Bible says sin has a heavy price. It's called death. In other words, sin will begin to kill you slowly, spiritually, emotionally, many times even physically. Sin has a heavy, heavy price. But Jesus says, I'll pay the price of death so that you can receive life. Oh, come on, he's a good God. Jesus went up on a cross at Calvary. And the Bible says that he took the wrath of God so that you and I can receive the righteousness of God. In other words, he took the punishment so that we can receive the promise. The Bible says there on that cross, Jesus died for all of our sins. He died a brutal, gruesome death. The Bible says they put him down in the grave and he was dead for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. We believe with all of our heart that Jesus is alive and he's offering new life. He's offering new beginnings. He's offering forgiveness if you just believe. If you're saying in here today, Alex, I want to run with horses after all that God has for me. I want that power. I want to be able to overcome the challenges in front of me. It begins with first having a relationship with God. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want to pray for people in here today. A quick prayer. If you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need forgiveness for my sins. I want to be saved. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, leaders praying, dream team praying. If you're saying, Alex, would you pray for me? I want to start a relationship with God. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, would you raise your hand for a second? I'm not going to give you a mic. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I just want to see who I'm going to pray for for a moment. If you're saying, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness. Forget about what you did last night, last week, last month. Today, today, he loves you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow, tomorrow's promise for no man. I'm going to count to three if that's you. If you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. At the count of three, hold up your hand. High enough, long enough for me to see you. Then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. All over this auditorium. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. I see you, 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 I see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else online? I see you. I see you. You can put your hands back down. Awesome. Online, wherever you're at. I want you to say this prayer with me. If you raise your hand, it's going to be a simple prayer. In fact, the whole church, why don't we repeat this prayer out loud with all that we got? Come on, repeat after me. Say, Father, Thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner. And today I repent of all my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died for my sins. And on the third day, he resurrected. Come on, say with me. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved. I'm forgiven and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Awesome. Thank you, Ali. Hey, we're leaving in just a moment. If you raise your hand, hands were raised everywhere here and online. We'll actually mail it out to you. But uh, outside, we have a connect tent straight ahead. Pass by and say, hey, I did that prayer with Alex. And they're going to give you this bag. Inside this bag, there's a coffee mug. There's a Bible. There's a letter from me and Diana. We may ask for an email or a number. That's all we want. We want to follow up with you and just say, hey, get on the journey with us. We love you. And we're here for you. You got a family for life. One more time. Can we give a big hand? Big, big hand every person. Come on, everybody thankful that he's a good God. Come on, let's leave out of here singing that song one more time. With every hand raised, Father, we thank you. Oh, God, thank you that you've called us to run with horses. This summer, God, we put our eyes on you and we trust you that you'll give us the power and ability as we make ourselves available. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name.